There are some old documents known to us as the ancient charges. These show that the Freemasons of the Middle Ages possessed a curious tradition peculiar to themselves. This tradition dealt with the origin of masonry and the invention of geometry, that branch of the liberal arts and sciences that enters so largely into the practice of the craft, whether operative or speculative. Condor, in his book The Whole Craft and Fellowship of Masons, says that this tradition was without doubt largely due to the clerical influence exercised over their calling. Not only is this very probable, but there is internal evidence to indicate that the oldest of these ancient charges was written by one holding office in the church. This contact of the lodge and the church is not surprising. From the most remote antiquity, masons have built structures to house the worshippers of the deity. At all stages of the work, they have been associated with the priesthood. They were also intimately allied with those religious orders affiliated with the church. This fact is of itself sufficient to account for the semi-religious body that the Masons became. It explains the moral teaching and the curious traditions found embedded so intimately within the Masonic organization, which has so freely drawn upon the sacred books of the Church and from legendary history. Brother Condor says further, Undoubtedly such was the fact. It is therefore without surprise that about the end of the 14th or early in the 15th century, we find a document, evidently founded on a much earlier one, or on remote oral traditions, which recites the supposed history of the Fellowship of Masons, and lays down rules for the guidance of its members, at the same time inculcating a behavior and conduct, which, if not a gratuitous insertion, is as regards to ordinary workmen, greatly in advance of the spirit of the time and far beyond that practiced by the other trades. No doubt this was to support the craft in maintaining its ancient worthy position, and in order that its members might continue to hold their ancient and honorable station. As the beauty of the so-called Gothic architecture advanced under the wing of the church, schools of masonry, wherein the elements of Euclid were taught to the higher classes of operative masons, became attached to certain religious houses— and from time to time efficient workmen left these schools for work further afield. Not only in their structural designs, but in the decoration of their buildings, the old craftsmen made liberal employment of the principles set forth by the great geometrician Euclid. In the construction of the equilateral triangle entering into the very first proposition of Euclid's famous elements, there was shown to the master mason a new form for the arch, a suggestion for the familiar trifold representative of the Trinity, and by the intersection of the circles he was symbolically shown the deity ever-present where the eternity of the past overlapped the eternity of the future who was and is and is to be. If we follow the details of Gothic architecture, we shall see that the triangle and the circle form the keystone to that ornamental tracery for which this style is noted. The symbolical language of masonry, together with the use of the mason square and compasses, would doubtless be used by the ecclesiastics as an object lesson to the workmen engaged on the sacred edifice, and so become incorporated in the traditions of their guild. The masons at the cathedrals and other large ecclesiastical buildings were attached to the monastery, and often a technical school of masonry was founded by the monks, who in teaching the craft— would not forget the higher or symbolical meaning to be derived from the geometrical figures used in tracing sections, etc. Thus far, I quote Brother Condor. 
How far is this vision borne out by the facts? To my mind, it has a very reasonable foundation. Let us take but one of the old monastic orders and compare it with Freemasonry. I will not now take the time or space to go carefully into a comparison of the ancient charges or any part of them with the rules and regulations laid down by any order of monks. Such a comparison, while interesting, is largely unnecessary, because for all practical purposes the monitorial charges of today are similar to those given in the old charges. You may therefore compare for yourselves what I may say of any monastic institution and determine how far it resembles the Freemasonry that is known to you by its distinctive charges and ceremonies, by our authorized and familiar monitor and ritual.